Now, friends, we're going to read a few more verses as well in chapter 17 of the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 17. And these verses that we have in uh, verses 26 to 32. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given to marriage until the day that Noah entered into the earth and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they, they sold, they planted, they builded. Uh, but the same day that uh, Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone uh, from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In the day, uh, in that day which shall be upon, uh, which shall be upon the housetop and his staff in his house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, uh, let him likewise uh, not return back. Remember Lot's wife. That's our uh, three-word uh, sermon text this morning uh, in verse 32. Three-word text. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. I want, uh, uh, friends, to begin by quoting to you something that our dear friend J.C. Ryle uh, once uh, said about Christ's second coming. I quote, live as if you uh, thought that Christ might come at any time. Do everything as if you did it for the last time. Say everything as if you said it for the last time. Read every chapter of the Bible as if you did not know whether you would be allowed to read it again. Pray every prayer as if you felt it might be your last opportunity. Hear every sermon as if you were hearing once and forever. This is the way to be found ready. This is the way to turn Christ's second appearing to good account. This is the way to put on, he says, the armor eh, of light. Now, I grant you, friends, what J.C. Ryle is saying here. It's a high standard. It's a high bar. And the Lord's people lament that they're not attaining to even these standards that uh, we have just uh, quoted from J.C. Ryle. But yet, it is their craving. It is the, 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 with all their faults and flaws and failings. The Christian, that's their craving at the end of the day to attain to these standards. Uh, uh, that we've read uh, uh, there. Now, it's not uh, true of unbelievers, those who are living uh, sadly uh, for uh, this world, and those who are in many ways unprepared for Christ's second uh, coming in the way that Bishop Ryan uh, speaks about uh, here. And we see that in the solemn and sobering words uh, that we've read together in these uh, two portions of scripture. Uh, Genesis there, chapter 19, and these few verses uh, that we uh, read in the Gospel of uh, Luke. And it shows us, if nothing else, how things are going to fare, how things actually are going to be 
when Christ returns a second time uh, to bring a history history to a, a, a close. And the warning that Jesus gives here reflects even more than anything else how unready and how unprepared people are going to be when he comes back a second time. Now, friends, this, this, these three words, this three-word text is to us all, converted and unconverted alike. Remember Lot's wife. Now, in many ways, it's more solemn and sobering when we think of who uh, Jesus here was uh, uh, speaking to. He wasn't speaking to his enemies. He wasn't speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees of the day. He wasn't speaking to the Sanhedrin, to the priests who loved the law, but who were only pretenders at heart. The Lord here was actually speaking to those uh, whom he loved and those who loved him. Peter, James, John, the rest of the disciples, believers, Christians, those who made a public profession of him as their Lord and Savior. And he says to them, remember Lot's wife. Now, Jesus here brings to their memory the, the, a woman who made a public profession uh, of her faith for a very long time in her life. Many of the commentators will acknowledge that, that she made some sort of profession, albeit a loose one. And then she went and she threw that profession uh, to the four winds. To the four winds. Now, I, I pause here and I say this respectfully. She wanted what so many people want in our day. They want Christianity on the one hand, but they want the world on the other. They're wanting religion, they want the Bible and the Christianity, but that's not good enough for them. They're wanting the world, the pleasures of the world. They want to have a foot as if it were in both camps. She wanted a foot in both camps. What does the scripture say to that mindset, to that way of thinking? Friends, we can't love a, a both. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Scripture is clear. Come out from the world, separate yourselves from sin, be ye separate. You can't serve God and Mama. Forbid that any of us here today in Sandwick Road will be like the person who told me. Yes, I would dearly like to be a Christian, but if I can't take the world with me to church, I don't want it at the end of the day. What a sad and a tragic indictment. He wanted the best of both worlds. One theologian, he reminds us that serving sin has consequences. He says, sinful and forbidden pleasures are like poisoned bread. They may satisf satisfy appetite for one moment, but there is death in them at the end. All sins are rooted he says, in the love of pleasure and entertainment. Therefore, he says, be watchful. Therefore, be watchful. Lord's wife was not watchful. 
Lot's wife was not watchful and she suffered the eternal consequences uh, of that, uh, as we'll see. What happened to her? You know, she didn't look to the right person or she was looking everywhere. You know, young children, young people who are here today, we, we all look somewhere. We're all looking. It's interesting. Some, somebody said, I picked up this actually last night. I, I, it's a quaint quote. Said, look where you are going because you will inevitably go where you are looking. We've got to look at where we're going in life. There are many things. The world out there wants to look at me, look at me. But we've got to stop and pause to make sure we're looking where we ought to be looking. This woman was not looking unto Jesus. She wasn't looking unto Jesus. She wasn't looking to the right person. As we'll see in three simple headings. First of all, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Now, in asking us to remember Lot's wife, Jesus is saying something else here. He's saying, record her name. Remember her name. May her name ever be recorded in the archives of your memory. Recall her name often. Don't let what happened to her happen to you. Don't let the death that she died, don't let that same death happen to you. Remember her. Remember Lot's wife. You know, isn't it strange that the Lord should ask us to remember the name of somebody who wasn't a Christian? You know, it would have been so appropriate and so, so right, right. If the Lord had said, remember Paul, remember Peter, James, John, remember Isaac, Joseph, Jacob, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Remember Mary, Jesus' mother, Sarah, Hannah. But he doesn't ask us to remember the names of these people. He says, remember Lot's wife. What do we do? What do we know about uh, uh, this woman? Well, firstly, she was a woman of many privileges. She had a, she, she had many uh, uh, spiritual uh, uh, privileges, religious privileges, because of she of 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 the person, the man she was married to. She was married uh, to Lot, uh, who was a nephew uh, of Abraham, and we're told elsewhere in Scripture of the titles that Abraham had. One of these titles was that he was a friend of God. And she knew herself, Lot's wife, that Abraham was a friend of God. She saw his lifestyle. She saw his walk, heard his talk, monitored his conversation, saw his, heard his prayers, saw him worshiping, saw him at the altar of uh, worship. You see, his life reflected, it gave evidence that he was a genuine Christian uh, man. A genuine Christian man. It was there for the whole world uh, uh, to see. Now, I don't want to focus in on Lot, but we, we can't escape, you know, but saying something ab about Lot here. 
we would, friends, have great difficulty in knowing what Lot really was. Was it not for the fact uh, uh, that the scripture tells us in the New Testament elsewhere that he was a Christian, that he was a believer, that he was a righteous man? But if the scripture hadn't given us that testimony, if it wasn't recorded for us in the New Testament, we would be scratching our heads and wondering as to what kind of man, what kind of believer uh, is Lot when his life was so inconsistent with the profession uh, that he uh, made. It's, it's interesting what the, what the name Lot means. It means wrapped up, isn't this sad? Wrapped up, hidden, covered. In other words, he, he concealed, he, he wrapped up, he covered up his Christian uh, testimony. He didn't live up to the life that he had or uh, uh, to the life that he professed in the public arena. Now, Lot wasn't blind to the fact that this, these places, Sodom and Gomorrah, that they were sin-sick places. He knew, he knew that, that there were uh, places where there was gross wickedness, wickedness. This is what scripture says about these places. But the men of Sodom uh, were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Their sin is very grievous extremely uh, serious. Isn't it amazing? That didn't disturb him. That didn't sort of uh, uh, put him off in any uh, way. He knew that it was uh, there were sin-sick cities, and yet in the midst of it all, we see that he made a wrong choice. You know, we, we all know the story of how the herdsmen, his herdsmen and Abraham herdsmen, they fell out. They started quarreling and bickering. And Abraham, the wise man that he was, listen, this can't continue. You we have to separate. We have to go our own different ways. You choose where you want to go. He gave Lot the first opportunity. He didn't take long in making a choice when he looked at the lush green fields of Sodom. He thought, what a wonderful place. That's where I want to bring myself and my family. Into the lush fields of Sodom. You know, his looking even led Lot into trouble. He looked in the wrong a place. Isn't it amazing? He saw the lush fields of Sodom. And we can say this, that his heart was there long before he took his body there. Long before he took his two feet uh, into that place. And we all know that there were ramifications. There were consequences for that. People in his family got hurt. Isn't it amazing how he quickly made his way up uh, that ladder. He pitched, we read, first of all, his tent in Sodom. Before long, he was within the gate of Sodom and eventually at the main entrance, as if it were being the main man, being responsible for the unfolding affairs that were happening daily. 
in that city. No word of his Christian profession, no word of his Christian standard, no word of his uh, Christian principles. You know, friends, he was an enigma and a bit of a conundrum. You know, the Christian ought not to be a, an enigma or a conundrum to the world out there, but a light in the midst of this world's darkness. I keep on saying so often, very, very few people come to church in our day. The Christian should be the church's Bible. Very, very few people come and hear the gospel in a church pulpit like this. The Christian should be that sinner's gospel, well heard, clearly heard, as to where he's going in this world, reflecting on whose side he's on, whose he is, eh, and whom eh, he serves. A well-read book, eh, friends, in this world's eh, library. And of course, that begs the question, how does the world read you and I? How does the world read you and I? I wonder if the four walls of our own door, of our own closet, was going to give a testimony to the world that it would say, you know what? He's a genuine Christian. Or would it say he's a pretender? He's an absolute pretender, a gimmick and a counterfeit. You know, friends, forbid that that would be said eh, of any of us. But the sad reality here is that that's exactly what Lot's wife was herself. She was a counterfeit and a gimmick. She did what the world does. She spoke as the world spoke. She went wherever the world went. Bishop Rice, sorry, I, I, I'm making, I, I always re refer to Bishop Rice. He's, he's so pointed and so uh, direct in what he says. He says, the form of religion which he had was kept up for fashion's sake and not for, from feeling. It was a cloak worn for the sake of pleasing your company, but not for any sense of its value. She did as others around her in Lot's house. She conformed to her husband's ways. She made no opposition to his religion. She allowed herself to be passively towed along in his way. But in all this time, her heart was wrong in the sight of God. The world was in her heart, he says, and her heart was in the world. In this state she lived, and in this state eh, she died. You know, friends, before we go to the next uh, uh, second heading, the Lord has no time for lean to, if we cannot say it like that, lean to Christianity. Lean to Christianity or half-hearted Christianity. That's why he tells us all here today, as he said to the disciple, remember Lord's wife. Remember Lord's wife. Secondly, remember Lord's wife looked. Uh, back. Now, there's something here that we dare not, uh, uh, friends, overlook. You know, when Jesus was here speaking to the, the disciples, we must not forget the reason why he gave uh, the warning that he gave here. He was speaking about his second uh, coming, how he would find things 
on that day when he comes back a second time. And things are not going to be any better than the, the days in which Noah lived, the days in which uh, uh, Lot lived. The, the, that is reinforced in the verses that we've read. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did it, they drank, they married wives, they were given to marriage, until that day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did it, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven. Today would have been a nice day in Sodom and Gomorrah. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even though shall it be in the day when the Son of Man eh, is revealed. I wonder in the corner of your own mind, I'm sure you have, you've probably wondered, as much as I have as to how things are going to be. How are things really going to be on that day when Christ returns a second time to bring history uh, uh, to a close? Well, the scripture tells us in the first chapter that we read there in Genesis 19, it's going to begin like any ordinary day. Any ordinary day. Look what we read. Uh, uh, the sun was risen upon the earth on the day that uh, the Lord rained fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a glorious day. The sun was shining in the sky. There was no rain as there is today. There was no wind. There was no, there was no, the, the, the birds were chirping. The birds were singing in the sky. It was a glorious day. And then suddenly, without notice or warning, it's all over. Like a strike of lightning. That's how the scripture actually in different places uh, tells us how he's going to, like, a, a, like lightning, instantly, like a thief uh, in the night. Now, let's be personal maybe here a little more. Our Lord was very graphic in his illustrations when he spoke parables to various peoples. Let's be a little bit graphic here. How is it going to be on that day? You know, the Western Isles Hospital will be as busy as ever. People will be in and out of Western Isles Hospital with various ailments, and people will be in A&E. &A &E. It'll be a day of bliss and a blessing for couples who are newly getting married. Al Cray, the funeral undertaker, will be as busy as ever, doing what he does every day with his black funeral cars, burying the dead taking lifeless bodies to the cemetery and burying them. Funeral undertaker doing the rest, what they do at the graveside. It will be a day of bliss and blessing as well for parents who've given birth to babies, little babies, little boys and, and little girls. No doubt people in the Western Isles will be preparing for a sea, sun and sand holiday in the Mediterranean as well as in the Caribbean. I, I very likely. There'll be cruise ships uh, uh, coming out aside here in the port in, in Stornoway, and passengers will be coming uh, coming ashore 
disembarking as usual. The shops will also be busy in Stornoway, in Tarbert, in Benbecula, and in Inverness. The passenger, uh, customers there will be filling their, their trolleys at the Co-op and at, at Tesco. The equivalent of loose builders and uh, OMA construction. They'll be busy as well, preparing houses, housing schemes, and the equivalent of your Bain and Morrison will be providing for them. You know, we could go on and on, but there's something else also that will be happening before this day, as is actually happening here today. Ministers, missionaries, gospel evangelists will be proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Christ, trumpeting the great old gospel story that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The day of the Lord is at hand, they'll be saying, and as Destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And isn't it sad? Even on that day, people will still be jesting and laughing to the free offer of the gospel. And they'll be telling us what they so often tell me. You're a wister. Come back. Come into the real world with us and enjoy life. Wasting your life with that foolish nonsense about heaven and hell and an eternal an eternity. I look forward, he said, this man, to the day they bury you and all your Christian cronies. It's all a fairy tale. You know, on that day, he'll wish this person and others like him will wish that they had been, that they were buried uh, themselves because of unfolding events that, that they will clearly see on that day. And you know what? People laugh and they forget that the Lord himself will have the last laugh. If we can say that respectfully, he's going to have the last laugh. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision, or shall scoff at them. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. You know, friends, all these things are going to be happening before and when our Lord returns a second time to bring history to a close. You've probably noticed over the last while, uh, the NHS on all NHS properties in the Highlands and Islands, you'll see a, a, a adverts. You'll see a nurse on a certain colored ad, advert. And this nurse is folding, a, 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 drawing a curtain. And the words under it are, are smoking on all NHS grounds has drawn to a close. It's, it's, the picture is similar here. The gospel, the gospel message on all of God's grounds has drawn to a close. No more minister, no more Bible, no more gospel. You never hear the, the words of faith or peace and mercy ever again. There'll be no more missionary, nobody out on the high street giving gospel tracts and literature to sinners and the highways and byways of life. Preaching on all God's grounds has drawn to a close. 
Remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Look back. 30 a few words on remember Lot's wife became a pillar of salt. Where do we find? I think it was the Reverend Calvin Matheson I heard on one occasion giving her a name. She's not got a name, but he gave her a name, Mrs. Lot. Where do we find Mrs. Lot in the midst of all uh, this? What was her response? How did she react when the angels pleaded with her to leave Sodom and Gomorrah? Flee for your life. Don't look back, nor rest in the plain. First thing that we see here is she was reticent. She was hesitant. She was hesitant. So many people are with the gospel. Has not yet. Maybe someday in the future. Maybe a more convenient Caesar. When I've grown up, when I've enjoyed life, when I've had my full of it, when life becomes my oyster, I'll maybe then give consideration to, to some of these things. That's the spirit. That was the spirit uh, of Mrs. Lott. You know, friends, I don't know what she's going to say to God on the great last day of judgment when she stands before him with her arms stretched, her hands empty, and her appearance personal. I don't know what she's going to say. But she won't be able to say that she didn't know how to be saved. Because there was actually four markers. There's four escape pointers, if we can put it like that. She knew how to escape to soar and be, be saved. There's, there's four escape pointers we read in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 19. She knew the way of escape. Escape for thy life, look not behind thee. She knew the where of escape to the mountain, escape to the mountain. She knew the why of escape, lest thou be consumed. And she knew the why of escape, arise. It was immediate. She wasn't to delay. She wasn't to hold back. Now is the accepted time, the day. It's the day of salvation. Young people here today, can I be personal? Remember, the devil's calendar is always tomorrow. The devil is the devil's a liar. He's always been a liar. It's the father of lies. The devil's calendar. The devil will have you believe that you've got plenty of time to do something about your soul's salvation. Don't listen to him. It's all a lie. It's from the pit of hell. No, the Bible's God's calendar is always. No one today. No, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. No, is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Now, these four escape pointers are brought before us in the gospel as well. They always have been the way, the where, the why, and the when, when of salvation. The way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The where. We are another mountain, Calvary where the blood of Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Why? Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And as I said, when? When is now and today? Mrs. Lot was without excuse. She had been warned of God's judgment. She knew that God's judgment was coming. She heard it from the voice of these angelic 
a messenger. They were in her home. They spoke to her personally. And we see there in verse 15 in chapter 19 that there was an urgency in their pleading with her. And when the morning arose, then the angel hastened, Lord, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are there, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Lot's wife, Mrs. Lot, was saved from Sodom. Isn't that wonderful? She looked back. Her glancing actually betrayed her. Her heart was in Sodom. Although she came out, she didn't really turn her back on, on Sodom. Now, I don't know, you may be here today, well, it was such a little thing, yeah? Looking back, surely she didn't deserve that punishment for just a little sin of looking back. You know, the little things of life, you know, tell us a lot about ourselves more than the greatest things. You know, God told Eve, don't eat of the apple of the tree of the forbidden fruit. A little thing, don't eat of it. It had devastating consequences. All mankind through the fall lost communion with God and under his wrath and curse and so made liable to all the miseries of this life, to death itself and to the pains of hell forever. Such a little thing. Don't eat of the tree, the apple, of the tree of the forbidden fruit. A little, you know, when there's a little mole appears on our bodies, a little lump. We've got maybe a little lingering cough. You know, it's symptoms of something that's deeper and it has to be dealt with. A little poison, a little fire, a little flame, a little crack on the wing of an aeroplane, a little slip up while you're driving the car. All these things have consequences, my friends. Unless they're attended to, unless they're attended to. Life and salvation, two parts were, were brought before her. Life and salvation, but she chose the other part. Death and damnation. She looked back and was lost forever and became a pillar of salt. And Jesus says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. You know, when Christian left the city of destruction to begin his epic journey to the uh, land of promise, he left with his ears, with his hands in his ears, with everybody calling, come back, come back. He couldn't go back and he didn't look back either because he knew that the city of destruction was going to be one day ruined. It was going to be destroyed by God. He had a new heart. A new chapter was written in the book of his life. And he had but one ambition, and that was to reach safely the celestial city with his gaze upon the one he knew would take him there safely, the light eh, of the world. The light of the world. When uh, Robert Murray McShane was on one occasion 
in uh, the in the uh, in Palestine, and there was revival broke out in his congregation. When he came back, he went to look for a certain girl that had started showing interest in the things of God before he left home. And he was told by one of his colleagues, she's gone back into the world, and it distressed him. He lamented on hearing that she had gone back into the world. And he penned these words together, Robert Murray McChain. She has chosen the world and its sultry crowd. She has chosen the world and an endless road. She has chosen the world with its misnamed pleasures. She has chosen the world before heaven's own treasure. She has launched her boat on life's giddy sea. And her all is afloat for eternity. But Bethlehem's star is not in her view. And her aim is far from the harbor through. I've never been uh, at the Dead Sea. The, the Dead Sea holds the ruins uh, of Sodom and uh, Gomorrah. It's a lifeless place. It's a dead place, just like the sea itself. And above the Dead Sea, there's a mountain, a 720-foot mountain. It's called Mount Sodom. And it's a barren wilderness. Absolutely nothing. They tell us, I don't know whether it's true or not, you won't hear even the birds chirping there. Nothing grows. No vegetation. And under the, below the mountain, there's a cave. And outside that cave, there's a, an upright Persian-like pillar. Whether it's a, a, an artifact or not, I don't know. But one can see an upright Persian-like pillar with this inscription on it. Here stands the pillar of salt holding Lot's wife. When Christ returns a second time to bring the, the pages of history to a close, and when he draws that final curtain, his piercing eyes are going to gaze upon that uh, softy pillar. And Mrs. Lot is going to walk out. She's going to stand out. And she's going to remember what she had forgotten in her lifetime. And it will never be forgotten by her throughout the endless ages of eternity. You know, friends, that's a solemn and a sobering thought. She look, look not behind thee. She look that day at Jesus in a way that she's never looked at him before. And she'll crave that she become a pillar of salt all again. And it will never happen. You know, there's a voice to us from eternity here, friends, today in San Week Road. There's a chilling voice coming to us all from eternity. And that chilling voice is expressed in these words. Awake from your slumber, the warning received. It's Jesus that warns you. The message, believe. While dangers are pending, escape for your life. And look not behind you. Remember Lot's wife. The first bold apostate will tempt you to stray. And tell you no dangers are found in the way. He means to deceive you. Escape for your life. 
and look not behind you. Remember Lot's wife. The ways of religion through pleasures afford. No pleasures can equal the joys of the Lord. Forsake then the world and escape for your life. And look not behind you. Remember Lord's wife. But if you determine the call to refuse. And venture the way of destruction to choose. For hell you must part with the blessings of life. And then if not now. You'll remember. Lord's wife. You know friends these are solemn words. May the Lord bring us to our senses. And may he apply our hearts unto wisdom so that we might call upon the one who has promised. He's never, he's never uh, um, anyone who has ever knocked at the door of mercy. He's never, he's never, he's always opened it. Knock and the door shall be opened. Unto. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Where does Christianity begin? Where does Christianity begin at the end of the day? The publican, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Was it not the petition of the highland made of old? Show me myself. Show me. That should be our deepest prayer. Asking the Lord, show me. Show me that I'm a sinner. Show me myself. And then show me thyself. That's what happened to the publican. He was showed himself that he was a sinner. And he cried to Christ. Eh, eh, for mercy and for salvation, and we became a genuine Bible-believing uh, Christian. May that be true of us uh, here today. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Let us pray. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt uh, help us to be doers of the word. It is uh, good for us uh, to uh, uh, read, uh, to be readers, and to be hearers, and to be listeners, and even to be proclaimers. But give us, Lord, to apply our hearts unto wisdom, so that we might practice these uh, truths in our day-to-day -day lives, and that we might, uh, uh, Lord, uh, seek thee while thou art to be found. We thank thee that none has ever been turned away at the door of uh, uh, mercy, and that thou art able to save unto the uttermost, such as uh, come unto thee by faith, that whosoever uh, calleth upon the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved. And we pray for all the young uh, people, during these days of holiday, we pray that thy protecting hand would be uh, upon them and uh, keep them from harm and danger. Uh, some of them may be uh, traveling away. We pray that they will give traveling and journeying mercies uh, to them and to their moms and to their dads as well. Help us, Lord, to keep an eye out for one another and to seek to fulfill that mandate. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man on the things of others. Let this spirit be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Forgive us for anything that we may have said amiss. Cleanse us at heart. Love us freely. For Jesus' sake. Amen.